Today is, if I could read my watch, August 16. It's 2009, and I'm here with Rogene and uh, Del Porter to spend a little bit of time with them to see if they can uh, remember uh, some of the things uh, from uh, their history in, uh, in Brookline. What is the address of this house? Of here? Yeah. 12 Old Milford Road. How, how long have you two owned it? Ah, uh, 15. <laughs> Rogene, you'd like to help? Yes, yeah, 1951 we moved here. Okay, 1951, wow. 1258, yeah, 50. Where did you live before that? Uh, my home folk, my home place was just down the street at number 6 Steam Mill Hill Road. 6 Steam Mill Hill? Uh, yeah. At that time, it wasn't Steam Mill Hill Road because Brookline didn't have designation for streets and all. It was, you know, Main Street. Milford Street, Porter's Hill, I used to call it. Okay. No. And uh, then when I came home from the service, or before I came home from the service, you know, Rogene and I were married. And we lived uh, in a little house on Milford Street. Uh, just beyond the primary school, the little house out in back. Sure, I can't think of the name. I can't either. <laughs> I don't know who lives there. Yeah, I remember. <coughs> okay. It was called the Stone Fence Inn. Used to be called the Stone Fence Inn. That, that little weenie house. The the, 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 house the big house. The big house. Which side? The left side? Same left as the side. Yeah. Just beyond the school. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a little the, house. The, the Visnaskis live there now. Oh, is that who lives there? She, she's a Carvalho. Funny coincidence because. Oh, she, okay, Carvalho. Yeah, because the, she grew up in the house you grew up in as a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where, where were you born? In Revere, Mass. Okay. Why? Why? Because yeah. my mother's sister lived in Revere, and uh, my mother went down there when I was born for to have. Help, I guess you know, for a couple of weeks. That's all. Uh, where a short time. So your your mother was living in this house on Steam. Oh, my mother was down here. Yeah. Okay. What number were you, childwise? Well, I was the oldest of the second family. My mother's. Well, help me out. My father's first family, and my mother had was married before, but I was the oldest marriage, oldest child of the uh, second marriage of both of them. Okay. And, how many kids were you talking? Uh, I had uh, three brothers and one sister. Wow. I had half-brothers and uh, half-sister from my father's first family and a how sister from my mother's first family. How did you get three brothers? Well, two brothers. <laughs> Everyone passed away. As a child, he choked to death on a toy balloon. Oh, I remember that terrible story. And then I had one brother that was killed in an automobile accident. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry. And my sister uh, passed away a few years back. She lived to be 69 years old. Yeah. Well, let's talk for a minute about the house on Steamill 
Hill Road, which didn't used to be called that. Yeah. Um, your dad, I know that he had cows, didn't he? Yes, he he uh, he was a farmer. We had a dairy farm there. Uh, had upwards of uh, oh between twenty and twenty-five head of cattle and young stock and all. Uh, you know, it varied up and down a little bit. <clears throat> and uh, produced milk. Uh, we had uh, a milk route in Pineland Townsend, Brookline, and Milford. We peddled approximately 750 quarts of milk a day. Uh, it started off being all raw milk, and then as pasteurized milk came in, uh, my father took his raw milk to Milford over to Haywood Farms and left it there and it took pasteurized milk and exchanged. And they pasteurized the milk, you know, and it went in with their, with their bulk milk, you know. And, uh, what, what time frame are we talking, generally? Well, let's see. When I was, I'm going to say around 1930, he started right after the Depression. Before that, he was a uh, town road agent in the town of Brookline for many, many years. I don't know how many years. And he was also a uh, state highway patrolman on the state highways, which went through Brookline, which was just well, Route 13, which is now Route 13 at that time. And then he gave that up, or he lost that, due to politics in Milford. And uh, then he gave up the Brookline Road agent to Grover Fowler and uh, did the farming. Where were the cows? Well, the barn down there <clears throat> was was much larger than it is now. A a uh, lean-to affair on the back of it, a cow cow lean-to, you know, all closed in and all, you know. It was. Uh, so they grazed out back. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and uh, there was about was supposed to be about eight acres in that house. How many? Farm eight about eight acres in that house down there, farm. And uh, we cut hay all over town. Anybody that had a field that wasn't using it, my father cut the, cut the hay off of it, you know. And, uh, how, how, tell me about the milk deliveries. How was that done? What did you deliver? Well, we had, we had uh, glass milk bottles, and it was delivered in uh, quarts and pints. And uh, of course, the heavy cream came in smaller, smaller ones, and uh, it had this small uh, milk, like it wasn't a pint, it was a half pint, a half pint of milk. But that went to uh, well, some to the stores, and in the summertime we had the Jewish camp. We furnished milk to the Jewish camp, and that was all in the small bottles. And, uh, and your dad uh, had a, tr a delivery truck, or you drove it? To no, yeah, we, uh, we had uh, two pickup trucks, two pickup trucks, uh, a Chevrolet and an International, as I remember. And uh, my older half brother lived at home. He was a bachelor, never married. 
What was his name? He lived at home with my folks. What was his name? Milo Porter. And uh, he lived at home with my folks and uh, worked on the farm and uh, helped with the milk business. And uh, The farm was known as the Lower Meadows. Lower Meadows Farm. Uh, thank you. Lower Meadows. Because a man that lived up the street, uh, a financier from New York, owned the big house where Carmen Shimento lives now, and he called his place Upland Meadows. Oh, my father. Lower Meadows. Got it. Down yeah. <clears throat> uh, after, well, after high school, I graduated from high school in Milford. Where did you go to grammar school? In Brookline. Which uh, building? I went, well, I started with the old primary school on Milford Street and uh, went through the first five grades up there. What do you remember about that place uh, at this point? Oh, I can remember the teachers' names. Who was that? For the first, the first and second grade teacher that I had, her name was Olive Baker. <clears throat> the third, fourth, and fifth grade teacher was, uh, <laughs> no, I just lost Josephine? it. Josephine? Hmm? Josephine? Josephine? No, no. No? I lost it. Okay. <laughs> well, what about, uh, how many people in a class? Where did she come in? And the uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade was at the Daniels Academy at that time. And 6th uh, and 7th grade teachers were uh, was Josephine Aldeno, a, a girl from Manchester. And 8th grade teacher was Alice Ouellette from Brookline. And you said you went to high school where? In Milford High. And How'd you get to school? Uh, most of the time, would ride to Milford on the milk truck, all the way over on the milk truck, and pedal milk on the way over. And coming home, uh, Wesley Jilson, Grover Fowles, father-in-law. Jilson, Wesley Jilson? Wesley Jilson had a van that he transported some, and Alton Jensen transported some. Um, now, how did you and Rogene meet? Rogene moved to Brookline in 1938, right af after the hurricane of 1938. And where did you live, Rogene? Down beside Hall store. Which way? Yeah. Peter Morgis's? Across, across the brook in that double house. Oh, the Cooks and okay. Not not Cooks, the other house. The other house. Okay, so as you're looking those at those houses, the left side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what grade were you in, or how old were I you? I started high school up here. I started a sophomore. Did you know Dallin High School? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your maiden name, Rogene? Reynolds. Of course. Now you had siblings. I had three brothers and two sisters. Where were you born? Lemonster, Mass. Okay. Why'd your folks leave, move up here? My father's work brought him up here. He had a truck and was working with hurricane lumber. 
I don't think we came until 1939. Because the hurricane was in 38 in September. Or oh, that's right. So well, we didn't come until the next year, just before school started. Okay, so he was hauling the wood that fell down from the storm? Well, he was in, involved in it somehow or other, yeah. Okay. I, and where were your folks from? Clevenster. Mm -hmm. right. So uh, you, you two were next door neighbors. No, we didn't live too far away. Yeah. You know, when nighttime, everybody went outside, and years gone by, and went out and played. The boys rode bicycles up and down, and we sat on the fence there by the brook, and just were all in a gang, and he was there, and I was there. And well, what was Hall's <laughs> store like then? Do you remember? Have any memories of the, the village store? Oh, yeah. It had the tall pillars out in front, the, the old pictures show. <coughs> the inside <coughs> had long counters throughout the store, and uh, each one of those long counters had a series of drawers underneath, and uh, some of them might be piled high with uh, overalls. Union suits. Oh, union suits, old union suits, socks, or stockings in those days. They didn't know socks, they were stockings mostly in those days. And uh, uh, the meat was all hand cut. They had a, a refrigerator room in the back where the meat hung. And if you wanted uh, a pound of hamburg or a roast, they brought out whatever you wanted, and it was cut on the meat block and uh, put in a hanging scale, and you got a pound, uh, whatever you asked for. And uh, uh, everything was wrapped in craft paper and tied with a string. They had the big roll setting on the end of the counter, and they drew the paper out and pulled it across the cutter, and tied with string. And they had, uh, you know, all the staples that were available at that time. Who was they the proprietor? Pardon? Who was the proprietor? Forrest and Fred Hall. Uh, was that father and son or brothers? No, or? they were brothers. Okay. They were brothers, you know. Forrest Hall and Fred Hall were brothers. And uh, uh, Forrest Hall was the father of Alphen and Winston Hall. What did they call this store? A Hall Company. Okay. It was started by uh, one of the older generation of Halls, and it was called A Hall Company. And then for a while, they had joined the chain of red and white stores, red and white grocery stores. Uh, I remember one instance that sticks in my mind. Maybe I shouldn't say it. <laughs> now you have to. Huh? Now you have to. Now I have to. If you went to the store and they had cookies in bulk, which were in square cardboard cartons with a glass front that you lifted off, and or they took your cookies out. And Fred Hall dished your cookies out and put them on the scale if you wanted a pound and you put the last cookie in and it weighed a little bit over a pound, 
you'd break the cookie in half and eat it and put the other half cookie back <laughs> in the bag so that you wouldn't be getting over a pound. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yes, I understand. Uh, that was one of the things that everybody in town knew about during those days. You know? uh, they also sold uh, uh, kerosene. Yeah, and molasses in a barrel too, didn't they? The what? Molasses, molasses in by the barrel. barrel. You bring your own oh, they, container. Yeah, bring your own container. <laughs> well, they had at that time upstairs over the store wasn't used. It, it uh, they had the idea it was condemned for some reason or other for not being safe for, for a large amount of people, but. Now they use it again now for certain things. I don't know, I've never been up there, but they do use it. They, I can remember going up there as a child to uh, a town Christmas parties. Well, Benny Hall ran a business up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in later years, uh, Betty and Betty Sid and Hall Sid. ran a business up there, Hall Manufacturing up there, before they moved up on the Milford Street. All right, what about uh, um, other opportunities? No, how about other stores in town? Was there any, were there any other stores when... There was, there was Whitcomb's store, Arthur, uh, Eddie Whitcomb's father ran a store, which was uh, in the building down there now, which Eddie rents out, and uh, it did have the post office in it at one time, and uh, Hall Store also had the post office in it. Just, I remember that started before Whitcomb Store had the post office. It was a it was a bid on thing, as I guess from the from the postal department or the government, and you bid bid for it. Whitcomb Store also had an ice cream parlor on the side of it where they had some booths and they made their own ice cream down there. And uh, they had uh, uh, they they had meals and all too. They also yeah, light light meals. Now is this Eddie or his father? Pardon? Which which Whitcomb were you his, talking? His Eddie father. Whitcomb's father. Harlan Whitcomb. Harlan, yeah. yeah. Harlan and Jane. Yeah, yeah. Later years after Harlan passed away in the new highway we put through, then they put these uh, Restaurant up on Route 13, which used to be the Riverside. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Whitcomb's Whitcomb's ice cream before that it was called. But now before Route 13 was cut through, nice straight north south road. Where did the road used to go that was north south? <clears throat> well, it came from from the Townsend line. It came and then uh, uh, come up through the village right by, uh, across now from the variety store, the new variety store and the liquor store. It started there and came up and followed the uh, South Main Street and through the village and up Milford Street uh, and out Quimby Road back onto uh, what is now Route 13 and into Milford, followed basically the same path. Cut, all the way. cut off uh, Tonellis Hill there by uh, 
Yeah, in Norfolk. In Norfolk, you used to go behind, uh, oh, yeah. across from the divine flooring now, across from chapels. You used to cut off and go down that steep hill. So to the left yeah, as you right. go to Milford. The back of those storage buildings sure. of chapels. And, right. um, do you remember when, were you here when 13 was built? Yeah. Oh yeah, 1948. Uh, they started building Route 13. Must have been a big deal for the town, huh? Yeah, they uh, they started at the Townsend Line and went as far as uh, uh, let's see, where did they go? To uh, uh, what is now uh, Christanthesis Restaurant? Yeah. To there, that was the first step of Route 13, and uh, it was. You know, they encountered those big ledges back of the Lake, uh, by Lake Potentable, by the Jewish camp there. Sure, the, the downside was quite a while going through there, because okay. in those days, you know, uh, barring the ledge and blasting it was quite a chore, aside of what they do today. Yeah. And, uh, then the second section was built not too many years later, I don't remember just how many years. The first section was built by R.G. Watkins from Amesbury, Mass. <coughs> and the bridge over the Nisitisset River was built by Chase Construction from Milford with Clayton Chase, or Chippy Chase as they called him. And Winston Hall worked on that bridge for Chippy Chase when they built it. And that's where he bought his first new dump truck. Rather than going to the store, which his brother Alpha did, he went into construction and I guess they bought him a truck to start with for his share of the store, like, you know, I think, I don't know for sure. That was, I think at that time, that's what he told me. And then the second section was built by an outfit from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Landis and Griffin Incorporated. And they went as far as uh, where Lull's stand is now, mm -hmm. stand in Milford. And then an outfit from Connecticut by the name of Bell, C.W. Bell, I think it was construction, built the section from Lull's into Milford, mm -hmm. to the Milford compact area. Right, now we, we, we said there was Whitcomb's store and there was the Hall store. Were there any other businesses that come to mind uh, as far back as you can recall? Not as far as, you know, stores went. I don't think there was anything. There was a couple of little households that sold stuff like penny candy and stuff like that. Where were they? There was one... Uh, uh, beside the old, the, the, the old primary school, going up the street on the upper side where uh, um, Eddie Whitcomb's daughter lives now. Uh, on the right? Yeah, on the right, yeah. yes. She has, because the school was right there, and the kids would run up there with their pennies and all for candy and all, you know. She also ran a summer camp for uh, children out of Boston. What was the name of this person? Uh, I don't think there was any... Oh, the person? Yeah. Uh, uh, her name was Minnie Maxwell. 
and uh, she had a lady that lived with her who came years ago as a uh, child out of Boston and stayed there. She was like a foster child, I think, and that was Helen Rockwood. Oh, I remember Helen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and uh, in the, in behind the house towards the ball field was a bunk room like where they slept and they fed them in uh, the house and where the garage is now with the house. And they had like, oh as I can remember, maybe 25 or 30 children for weeks during the summer. How about other stores? Now of course, how about, let's, let's think about uh, Fessenden Mill. Well, it, it was a sawmill, you know, and uh, they processed lumber. They didn't do much, uh, they processed and finished lumber, but they didn't do any, uh, uh, like mills today, which might make any furniture or, or anything like that. Uh, they, it was run by a big, everything was run by a big steam engine that generated their own electricity. And uh, practically everyone in town worked worked there at that time, or were connected with the mill in some way. They sold logs to the mill, or, or had horses that worked there, or, or something, you know. And uh, around the mill, the area around the mill was always stacked with lumber. They had big stacks of lumber everywhere between there and the house where Nason Fesnut lived. And, uh, oh, I was trying to think. They also had, uh, over the years, an electric system that uh, furnished part of the town of Brookline with electricity. And they had a water system which furnished part of the town with water up as far as the store, Hall store. I don't, well they also, well no, no I don't know if they did, but years before that there was a, a brick making uh, operation on the hillside across from the mill. But I don't think that was connected with the mill at all. Was that in your lifetime, the brick thing? No, no, it was before my lifetime, but I can remember remains of it, you know what I mean? Sure. I can remember the remains sure. and all of it. But of course, they're all gone now. But. Yeah. Yeah, as I understand it, the bricks for the uh, Fessenden house over the bridge on uh, South yeah. Main, that, that those bricks are local. I would imagine they yeah. were, probably. You Did know. you see that's getting all fixed up now? She's mm -hmm. done a nice Wouldn't job. That'd be nice. Oh boy. Yeah. Wonderful to see that saved. Yeah. And and Ulette's place, that too presumably would be local brick. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Alright, well let's see. Um, there was uh, well let's see. Of course the biggie. Uh, it was the ice house uh, as a source of employment. Uh, uh, Rojin, but your dad, your dad, other than doing the work on the the lumber, did after the hurricane materials were taken care of. What did he do after that? Do you remember? 
he went to work at um, Fitchburg Engineering, and then after that, during the war, he was at uh, GE in Fitchburg. Okay. Um, so he, he wasn't employed locally? No. Well, okay, well, let's talk for a little bit about, uh, well, let me, as I go in my mind's eye towards the ice house, I'm reminded of the meeting house that burned before you were born. Uh, the meeting house on top of... Oh, yes, yeah. the meeting house, pardon me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have any understanding as to what happened, or you, were there any stories? At, at the meeting house? Yeah. No, I, I had nothing, you know, to think of about that. I never really had time to talk with my father. Uh, he passed away in 47 after I got out of the service, and uh, I just never really had time to sit down and talk with him, you know, about some of those old things in town. You know, that because he had lived in, in Brookline from the time he was 20 years old and he died, he was 74, 75 when he died. Right around yeah. there. Yeah. What was he like? No, he was a, he was a jolly fellow. Uh, you know, he always was good for a laugh or something, and he was a, he was a hard worker. He, uh, of course, had a big family to start with, and uh, during, uh, he lost quite a few of his sons. He had one that died of diphtheria. Yeah, when he was a baby. Hmm? When he was a baby, practically, yeah. I think. And and at the, the same year, his, his wife died. He had a son that was shot and lived a few years afterwards. I don't know just how long. But uh, he was shot right in by his eye with a twenty-two bullet, and he lived at that time, they couldn't operate and take the bullet out, which, you know, it was close to the brain. So he lived for a period of years. Was he able to walk? He was active, I guess, as far as I know. Hmm. And uh, then he had uh, three, three other boys. It was Milo and Ralph and Donald, you know, you probably knew Ralph and Donald, okay, and uh, and he had one girl that was, I think she was the oldest one in the family. She was, yes. Yeah, the oldest. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he had a high road all, and uh, I guess he had uh, ladies come and, and take care of the house and help him all until, I don't know when he met my mother, I have no idea. She came from out of Boston and uh, she was married before to a man in Townsend and they got divorced, they'd had one child and uh, I don't know when she came. I think probably she came first for a housekeeper for my father or something, I don't know. I, as I say, I never, and they didn't talk about those things, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I do. And, uh, 
Well, let's go over the hill to the to the ice house that everybody loves to hear about. Well, the ice house, I can remember <laughs> the workings of the ice house. You know, which you probably heard me say down to the, the meeting that day. How how old were you when you were checking that out? Well, the fire was in nineteen. 35? About. I don't recall. Yeah, 35. You ought to look at all that literature. I should. <laughs> 1935, I think, and I was born in 23, so I was 12, 13 years old. So what in the world were you doing down there? What was I doing down there? I was, I was, uh... This is not at the time of the fire. Yeah, playing with the, up, up at the primary school at that time, they had a, uh, a little playground with some teeter boards and swings and, you know, that's where we used to collect at night, you know. We'd go out, you had to be home by nine o'clock, you know, in the summertime. You didn't go there in the wintertime, but uh, in the summertime we would go up there and everybody would be there, you know. The guys from around town and the girls and, and uh, we'd just be hanging around. Was the ice house in business? No, 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 no. See, I knew you were thinking. Is he, uh, He's thinking you were at the fire. Not yet. No. So, so I gather we were up there playing, and all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden. You're at the schoolyard. At the schoolyard, and someone noticed smoke. And uh, at that time, you know, the trees weren't grown up, so you could see things. And, and uh, so I ran down to the town hall. And Grover Fowles, I think, at a play rehearsal for the Grange or something in the town hall. And I ran in and told him there was a fire. And he ran down, the firehouse was on Main Street then, and he ran down and pulled in the alarm. And I came home, <laughs> you know. And uh, later that night, I can remember getting uh, my folks when we got in the car and drove up to the well, corner of Rocky Pond Road up here. And at that time, you could look right down into the fire. And by then, it was all burned, but it was uh, cold, you know, like a great big lava bed, all bubbling. You know. and, uh, I can remember. The fire trucks all around town because they had fire trucks from everywhere. They were pumping water from uh, down by where the, the new firehouse is now, where they were pumping water from All Store Brook, and they were pumping water from uh, up Mason Road somewhere. I don't know if it was up on Dufour Gold Road or where, but they were pumping water from everywhere. Well, I, I, had, I was wondering, uh, before the fire, how did you become familiar with the oh, ice to, house? We used to go up there swimming in the summertime at the beaches. And was the ice house in business? Oh, yes. It, well, it oh, wasn't yeah. shut down and empty, no, okay. No, 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 it, it was in business, you know, because I think probably from the time I was 12 years old, 10, 12 years old, we'd go up there swimming, you know. Uh, 
What beach? In those days, we ran free. You know, today they well, don't do. let their children out today. You know. I agree with you. That's that's interesting. It, it yeah. seems to be so. Yeah. Is that good or bad? Oh, I don't know. We didn't get in any trouble. You know, we raised a little hell every once in a while. Like, like one Halloween night, uh, where the uh, firehouse now, beside that, there used to be the building that's now the. Uh, uh, refreshment booth up at the town hall. That used to be there, and on the side of it, <clears throat> the man that lived in the house there had some pigs. And we let the pigs out one night, Halloween night. And they were small, like this. And Chester Barnaby was chief of police at that time. And he said, that's great sport, letting the pigs out, boys. But he said, before you go home tonight, they better be back in the pen. Do you try catching three or four little pigs at night, you know? And, uh, but things like that, you know? And we'd uh, uh, put soap on the windows at Halloween and, and things. Nothing destructive, just raising the devil, you know, being kids. And, well, go. speaking of the uh, ice house, I lived in Mason for a year in uh, the summer, I think, of 34. My father had a truck then, too, and he brought to school uh, eight, there was eight, eight grades in number six school in Mason, and uh, everybody that wanted to go got in the back of the truck, and we came down to the uh, lake, and everybody brought a picnic, and uh, we went swimming. And while we were gone to the beach swimming, which was past the ice house, as you went past the ice house, and then that beach over there, where I guess it's the one the Jewish camp uses now. He went back the other side of the ice house in the grove, packed the truck in the shade, and. Sat in the shade and had a nap, waiting for us. That's nice. <laughs> so you used to check out the ice house when you were a kid, when you were swimming. Oh, we played around the, the uh, what they called runs, where they used to take the ice in. You know, and it's okay. Ice. To help the listener understand a run, what are you talking about? Well, it was it was a. Uh, where, where they would uh, pull the ice up into the ice house. So it's a long inclined wooden long structure? Long inclined, uh, uh, yeah, long inclined. Uh, ramp, after, uh, ramp. Ramp. How about right. ramp? Right. Did, did it have a conveyor, a mechanical conveyor belt? No, it, had, it had a mechanized chain system. Okay. That, uh, uh, as, I, as I remember it, there was uh, two chains on each side that went up, and they were pulled by a cog gear on the top. How many of these every, were there? Every, well, the main one that ran from the pond itself up to the top of, uh, like the distribution point, was uh, just two long chains, and every three or four feet was a crossbar and each cake of ice went into that behind that crossbar and it pulled it up to the top where 
then by gravity they shot it down to the, the houses, each, each house, and uh, at each house when they were filling it they had a deflector so it would deflect it off of the run into that house where it was packed away. How many of these ramps were there? Was there two or more? Uh, well, as I remember on the, on, the, uh, on the side where they filled the ice house, which was the side towards the lake, there was uh, <coughs> just, that <coughs> just that one that went up, and then the long run that went all the way down, where it went by gravity down to each house. When you say each and, house? Well, each, each one was separate. They had 13, at one time, had 13 separate buildings hmm. where they stored the ice. And, and, uh, I they, think they had one humongous thing. Under, under one roof, but oh. it was like 13 separate buildings. Oh. It was all petitioned, you know, petitioned off. I get you. And, and uh, uh, that, the back, they, they filled it, as I said, by gravity. Just sliding the cakes down. You're right. Yeah. And uh, deflected to shoot each one in. On the front side, when they when they uh, loaded the loaded the cars, uh, the railroad cars, they had a traveling mechanism with a short conveyor that went to the mouth of the building, and then some type of an engine. I don't remember just what. That. They brought the ice out of the ice house by hand and put it to that conveyor type thing, and that took the ice up a ways, and then they shot it down into the cars by gravity. It had a, a uh, the same type of a chain type mechanism, but it also traveled on tracks, so they could take it from this house to that house to that house. It had small, like uh, probably. Uh, small rail car wheels and they can move it from one house to the other so that they could load the cars and the cars were down below that that was up on a on a platform stone and stone front and the cars were would rot right down by that stone platform and then they were loaded from the from the house that way there must have been a lot of people from out of town who would be in town who worked there. There was a lot of lot of uh, people that came in uh, in the winter time. In the summertime, it didn't take that much of a crew. It only took maybe eight or ten. Oh. And a lot of those people were local people in the summertime. But in the winter, when they were filling, they uh, they came in from all around, mostly in Boston area. And the area now at the Jewish camp, which I think is the mess hall and all there, which is right beside Route 13, was a boarding house where they boarded. And, there, and that was uh, the mess hall also where they did their cooking for the mess hall and served the meals and all. There was a few other outlying buildings around the, around the ice house itself, which were uh, machinists, I mean, uh, yeah, boiler rooms and, and things like that, and, and machinery storage buildings and all that. It was a big operation. And then further, further up by the by the uh, the other grove, what did they call them? The second grove, they used to call it. Finshaw. Huh? 
Not Finchuel. No, Finchuel was around the other side of the lake where they set off the fireworks now. They used to call that Finchuel. For some reason, they called it Finchuel? Fin, you know, Finnish. Because there was a lot of Finnish people in Brooklyn that worked the quarries. Oh. And they called that Finchuel. I don't know where they all went thrown up there or what. But uh, uh, where the, where the, where the uh, public beach is now was one beach. But that was kind of rocky. Kind of a lot of, lot of rocks there. Not many people swam down there. But uh, uh, further up, beyond the ice houses, was a number, another uh, uh, loading operation similar to what they used to fill the houses with, except in the wintertime they loaded cars direct out of the lake up there and, and not store any ice, but loaded them directly. Was it another big, smaller ramp they right They called it the... Big Pier and Little Pier. That okay. was it. The, the one at the ice house was Big Pier. And the one further up beyond the ice house, uh, which if you talk to Clarence Fowle, he will tell you now that there is a huge chunk of concrete out there that he's tried to move out of the lake and they cannot move it. And that was the anchoring point where the uprights were and where they brought the ice out and up, up there and up onto the, to the uh, tracks. Did you ever ride the train? Either one. Not, of not, not from Brookline. No, no, no. I can remember uh, many times going down and, and watching the train uh, at what is now uh, Mason Road, at the, where the crossing was on Mason Road, and because they would have to be switching around back and forth, the train would go down. Then he'd have to back up and go down again, back and forth. And <clears throat> I can remember seeing the engine and all, you know, a big old steam engine. What uh, Brookline, uh, I assume they were men, do you remember having a steady employment at, at the ice house? Uh, Roy Ward was the one that worked at the ice house. That's whose house Wait. that was, the Ward's house, was it? That little house we were talking about earlier on Milford Street? No? No. Oh, we, there, it proved to be the Visnaskis house with no, the little right. rental no, behind no. it. Yes, yes. Roy Ward is the house across from... Oh.